Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Kate Faulkner. Hello, hope you're okay. Thank you for downloading today's podcast on Friday, May 26th. Our top story today, a Tunbridge Wells woman who spent thousands of pounds going away with a friend and her autistic son has described how it turned into a holiday from hell. Esther Watson says problems started soon after they arrived at the all-inclusive resort in Cape Verde in April. The main issues we had was just the, the facilities were often closed. And that was the shop, the pool, the restaurant, which makes other restaurants so busy. You know, it was, like, it was literally like just rats. Just It was so bad. Um, there was very limited um, food choices, which were repeated day in, day out in the same restaurants. My friend's son was, you know, he's lactose intolerant. He can't have dairy. So that was an absolute nightmare. Um, we had the pool cordon off three times in a week. And that was just from someone defecating in it. Um, I had a strawberry lace in my bed um, and the bed, by the time we discovered this strawberry lace, we'd been there for three days and the bed had apparently been made. Um, there was no hot water in our room. The, the room was really unsanitary, really unclean. Um, we couldn't work the air conditioning. And when I got sick, which I got sick three days that week, um, we couldn't work the fan or the air conditioning. The lights didn't work. Um, obviously there was cracks and hairs and everything. Um, it was actually quite diabolical. Um, and, and the problem is, is when you're in that situation, you've got, you, you can't go anywhere. When you're in, in a resort, in an all-inclusive resort, um, you can't just go, right, we'll just go to another restaurant or we'll go find this. It's just really, you're trying to explain to an autistic child why he's not allowed to play in the pool. It was, I think it was three days it was closed. It was just so heartbreaking. He got so upset. It was just, it was horrendous. And then we get upset, got upset, and that was three days. More than anything, when you're in that situation, you just want someone to help you. And that was our, um, that was our main, main issue, really. Um, getting home was the, definitely the best part of the holiday. Um, we did also inform Tui before we travelled that we were travelling with an autistic boy who is allergic to dairy. Um, so we thought that would have been communicated. Um, which it clearly wasn't, or you know, we weren't even warned about that. We couldn't even, as I said, go to the shop and try and get snacks and stuff. Um, that poor boy lived on chips for a week, pretty much, I would say. Um, and you know, <laughs> I, I, it pushed us to the limit, really did. It pushed. I, I, I think any other friends would have broken, and that poor boy, like. It was just upsetting, the whole thing. Um, it was incredibly expensive in a half-term week um, with zero support. The, the reps avoided us. Um, by the time we did get hold of a rep, I got quite cross um, and uh, lost my call and ended up bursting into tears. Uh, which is not like me, but and it, was, it was embarrassing. She's taking legal advice over what she says is false advertising. Also making news today, maternity services provided by East Kent Hospital Trust have been rated inadequate by inspectors after they found failings in their quality of care. Conditions have been placed on the trust by the Care Quality Commission requiring them to take urgent action at William Harvey Hospital and QEQM. It relates to concerns around the safety of the labour ward environment, the availability of regularly serviced equipment and risk of cross-infection. Deanna Westwood is the Director of Operations. The inspection was undertaken following receipt of concerns around the culture, the safety and the quality of services at the Trust. We also had the Kirkup report and we also had concerns raised by public and staff. So we decided we ought to go in. And what did you find there? Number of concerns, 
mostly relating to the safety of the labor ward environment. So things around the availability of regularly serviced equipment, progress processes for monitoring women and babies whose conditions could deteriorate and risks of cross infection due to poor standards of cleanliness. We also saw um, that staff didn't feel respected or valued, and that had an impact on the quality of care that was being delivered. Concerns around fire safety not being managed well, um, fire exit routes blocked. And um, I have to do I have to say though that the staff were working very hard in those circumstances to provide compassionate care. And as a result, I understand now both have had their ratings downgraded from inadequate, uh, sorry, requires improvement to inadequate. Are you able to give me just a brief overview? What would be the main differences between those two states? So requires improvement means that we've noticed that there, there's some breaches, that there's some concerns that need addressing. So what we would say is we wouldn't describe this, the experience of people as good but inadequate means that we've got serious concerns and we take more robust action if a service is inadequate. So in this case, we imposed urgent conditions on the trust as well. And we're working very closely with stakeholder partners who are monitoring to ensure that the need for improvement is understood and supported. Should women within the pregnant women within the community, should they be concerned about the care that they or their unborn child are going to receive? They shouldn't be. The, the trust has staff who are really dedicated to providing safe and compassionate care and in addition we are monitoring the trust and stakeholders such as NHS England are monitoring the trust as well and keeping an eye out to make sure improvements are made. And I understand one thing that was significant um, was the fact that there was resuscitation equipment was being kept outside in the corridors rather than in the rooms. Can you tell me about why that's significant? So the resuscitation equipment obviously um, if a child needs a, a newborn baby needs some form of resuscitation the time is of the essence. And with not having resuscitators in the room, that could potentially cause a delay, um, particularly as they were needing to make sure that the babies had their, their labels tagged before, before they left the room. So there was a risk going to the delay, but also we have to think about the awful experience for young mothers who have their babies effectively whisked away from them because they need this emergency care. Now you touched on it a little bit before you've um, issued certain things that need to be addressed before their uh, status can be improved, I suppose. What sort of things are, are both places going to have to implement before they can move away from being inadequate? We want to see improvement in um, the leadership, definitely the environment. We need to see some improvement in the environment, the infection control um, needs to be improved, the cleanliness, Things like the maintenance of equipment need to be assured. And there's also a wider issues around learning from incidents, safety incidents, because staff are reporting them, but we're not convinced that their investigations are happening in a timely way. We need leaders to be able to listen to staff and to understand their concerns, but also just to understand the impact of some of this on the patients themselves. The CQC says they won't hesitate to take further action if improvements aren't made. Kent Online reports. A police watchdog report says a Kent police officer failed to properly investigate deal man Wayne Cousins six years before he murdered Sarah Everard. It relates to a case of indecent exposure in Dover in 2015. It was found that the officer, who cannot be named, breached the standards of professional behaviour, but it did 
didn't amount to misconduct. It comes as former police officer Samantha Lee was found guilty of gross misconduct for failing to investigate two similar incidents just months before Cousins attacked Miss Everard. A man has appeared in court accused of assaulting police officers in Maidstone. It's alleged Thomas Nixon was verbally abusive while he was being arrested after behaving erratically on Knight Rider Street. He later made violent threats and assaulted two officers while being taken for medical treatment. The 33-year-old, who has no fixed address, has been bailed and will appear in court in August. Two teenage boys have been arrested by police investigating moped thefts in Dover. Officers saw the suspects acting suspiciously in the Elvington area and seized a bike that's thought to have been stolen. The 15- and 17-year-olds have been released on bail while investigations continue. Two suspected thieves have been arrested, accused of targeting people in Seven Oaks Town Centre. On two separate occasions, the victims had withdrawn money from the bank before they were distracted and the cash stolen. It's prompted police to remind people to be vigilant when withdrawing cash. Kent Online reports. Police and firefighters have been called to Chatham following reports of a burglary. The window and door of a property on the Ridgeway was damaged yesterday evening. There were concerns about a suspected fire inside. Officers say they're continuing to investigate the break-in. A Canterbury dad says a multi-flat is having an impact on his health and making his children sick. The 30-year-old already has a hole in the heart and medics have told him the housing conditions at Starry Hill are contributing to breathing problems. The city council say various repairs to the property have been carried out, including to the windows and extractor fans. It's expected to be a busy day on Kent's roads as millions of people head away for the long weekend and half term. The RAC reckon it'll be the busiest late May bank holiday since before the pandemic. Families are being urged to allow extra time for journeys and take plenty of food and water in case there are long delays. Toby Howe is from the Kent Resilience Forum. We're expecting a lot of traffic to be heading across the channel Friday and Saturday and also a large number of coaches again as we saw at Easter. So um, it is going to be very busy at the Port of Dover and at Eurotunnel. Um, So people do need to make sure they check all the details with either the ferry companies or Eurotunnel, but also check the state of the roads to see how busy they are. Port of Dover have put a lot of contingencies in place to enable more coaches to be processed at any one time. Um, they, In addition, they have an area where the coaches will check in first. They'll be held outside the port, and then when there's space to go into the port, they'll be then released. So the intention will be that coaches, whilst it still takes a long time to process coach, more will be able to be done at any one time. So the problem with the coaches is, of course, that everybody has to get off that coach, have their passport checked, have their passport stamped, then get back on that coach and before it can go. The reason that we've put Operation Brock into place is to really mitigate the impact on communities in particular around Dover, Folkestone and Hawkins. Because what we saw at Easter, with the delays at the port, freight gets held back which meant that National Highways had to close the Roundhill Tunnel. And that then causes a lot of congestion around Folkestone and Hawkins in particular. So by putting Brock on, that acts as a pressure valve to hold back the freight so that the tunnel doesn't then need to be closed, which, as I say, then allows Folkestone and Hawkins in particular and Dover to operate business as usual. Certainly, we don't want this to be the long-term solution So a lot of discussions are ongoing with the Department for Transport and Government to really look at better solutions. Kent shouldn't be impacted every time people in the UK want to travel across to Europe. Residents and communities and businesses shouldn't be impacted. So there's a lot of pressure on government to look at alternative solutions 
rather than using the road network in Kent as a lorry park, ultimately. Um, those discussions are ongoing. I have no idea what those solutions may be, but as the Kent Resilience Forum, the only options that we do have at the moment are Brock and TAP. But hopefully there will be more pressure on government to come up with alternative solutions. Kent Online reports. Work is underway to clear a uni campus in Medway before it closes for good in September. The University for the Creative Arts in Rochester is where the likes of Zandra Rhodes, Tracy Emin and Karen Millen studied. Bosses say they can't afford the £17 million needed to upgrade the building, but campaigners are still fighting to keep it open. There are plans to build a cycle and walking route in Faversham to try and cut the number of cars on the road. Transport bosses have secured a £1 million in funding for the project. It'll see stretches of pavement made wider and roads narrow to try and reduce congestion and pollution. A group that represents the businesses across the county has appointed a new CEO. Tudor Price will take over as head of the Kent Invicted Chamber of Commerce. Former boss Joe James is retiring after 15 years in the role. A Kent MP has told us more about her challenge to climb Mount Kilimanjaro this summer. Chatham and Aylesford's Tracy Crouch is doing it to raise £100,000 for breast cancer Kent. She was diagnosed with the disease in 2020 and given the all clear a year later. And she says it's an opportunity she couldn't turn down. Kilimanjaro is one of those things where we all say, oh, yeah, no, I'd love to do that one day. And then we never get around to doing it. And one of the things about going through the breast cancer journey that I've been on is that actually it makes you realise that you should stop putting things off and do the things that you want to do when you can. Because, you know, although I'm very positive about my breast cancer, you never quite know you know, what's around the corner. And so it's important to sort of kind of cease that moment and and to do these things when the opportunity arises. And as you mentioned, you're not, you're not going to be on your own, are you? There's a team of you going. Tell us how many of you are going to be doing it together. There's seven of us in total. Um, and um, the lady that inspired me to do it uh, is a lady called Trina. She is also um, a cancer thriver, as I like to uh, call it. Uh, we had the same oncologist and the oncologist actually connected us because I was beginning to struggle a little bit in terms of how to cope with stress um, uh, from a professional perspective. And stress is something that can increase the risk of cancer. So I wanted to talk to somebody else who was in a relatively high powered uh, role and see how she was coping um, with stress. But in the course of that conversation, she said that she had signed up to do Kilimanjaro in aid of Breast Cancer Kent. And then all the conversations about stress stopped and started instead in, OK, how can I uh, I do this? So um, uh, she's she's sort of kind of almost our group leader, if you like. And then some of her friends are doing it uh, and and her sister, but also the head of the Peggy Wood unit in uh, Maidstone. Um, who is a breast consultant um, and surgeon herself, and she's coming along and doing it too. What sort of training are you having to do for this? Do you have to do anything slightly different? Yeah, yeah you have to do a lot of walking um, uh, because although I run and uh, and cycle, which is good for your cardiovascular sort of kind of um, uh, elements, and and it'll be good when I go up the mountain in terms of oxygen depletion and so on. The fact is, is they're not the same muscles that you use when you're 
hiking up mountains. So we've been doing some long walks around the county, seeing some beautiful parts of the county that I've never seen before. Um, and, uh, you know, we will continue to do those kind of walks up until we leave at the end of July. And just tell us again what this £100,000 will be going towards. It's an awful lot of money to raise, but I'm sure all those donations are going to come flooding in. Well, Breast Cancer Kent have asked specifically for us to raise money uh, for a machine called a Faxatron. Um, it's not a transformer. Um, it's a uh, it's a it's a technical piece of equipment uh, that they can use in theatres to help uh, check that the surgeons have got clear margins when they remove a tumor tumor from the breast, and that in turn means that um, you limit the number of times that patients have to go back into surgery in order to get clear margins. So I had to have two surgeries in order for my surgeon to get clear margins, and Trina had three. And so actually, obviously, there's a physical aspect of, of those uh, extra surgeries. So it is a good piece of equipment that can help enable the surgeons to do what they have to do, hopefully the first time round. Of course, if anyone wants to um, sponsor us, then um, uh, we'd be very, very grateful. There's uh, donations page um that you can find on my facebook uh which is um tracy crouch uh, mp and you know we'd be thrilled to um obviously uh receive those donations if there are any companies that wish to donate um i will be uh unfurling a banner at the top of uh, kinemanjaro with the logos of companies that are sponsoring us and of course we'll be much appreciated that as well. Kent Online reports. An historic pub in Luce has gone up for sale. The Czechist pub is on the market for just over £1.3 million. The Grade 2 listed building dates back to the 17th century. A Whitstable restaurant that regularly has to turn away customers because they're so full has been given permission to expand. Birdies on Harbour Street will convert to form a DIY store next door. They're also planning to have an outdoor seating area to meet demand. There's going to be a carnival in Maidstone this summer. Hundreds of people, including including school pupils, will be involved in the event in the town centre in July. The procession will start at Archbishop's Palace and head to Brenchley Gardens. And we're being encouraged to celebrate our county as we mark Kent Day. It's held every year on the Feast of St Augustine, who was the first Archbishop of Canterbury. Cricket fans have been asked to bring their Kent flags to the Oval tonight as the Spitfires take on Surrey in the T20 Blast. Kent Online Sports. Gillingham Football Club has been charged with misconduct by the FA over crowd control at three League Two games last season. It's after incidents involving poor conduct at matches against Colchester, Sutton United and Wimbledon. The club have issued a statement saying they have a zero tolerance policy when it comes to abuse and will work to make sure those responsible are appropriately punished. Maidstone's Alessia Russo has been named Player of the Year at the first ever Women's Football Awards. The 24-year-old helped England win the Euro last summer and was recognised at a ceremony in London yesterday evening. Kira Walsh won International Player of the Year and former Arsenal striker Ian Wright was named Women's Football Champion. And as we heard earlier, Kent are back in T20 Blast action tonight. The Spitfires are travelling to the Oval to take on Surrey following their seven-wicket win over Gloucestershire on Wednesday night. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get the details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.